We want to remind our listeners that this program is for informational and educational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional veterinary and medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The Animal Medical Center does not recommend or endorse any products or services advertised by SiriusXM. Welcome to Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. This is the place to talk about your pets and get advice with a top veterinarian from the Animal Medical Center in NYC. Hear from the leading authorities on animals and give us a call to ask your questions. Now, here's your host, Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Vet on Sirius Stars Channel 109. So glad you can join me today. I'm your host this week and every week, uh, Dr. Ann Hohenhouse. I'm a board-certified internist oncologist here at the Animal Medical Center, where I'm broadcasting from. Here at AMC in New York City, we are the largest not-for-profit animal hospital in the world. If you're a new listener, Ask the Vet is also available as a podcast in partnership with SiriusXM. And you can get it on all major podcast platforms by just putting Ask the Vet into the search bar. And of course, you can also get it on Animal Medical Center's website at amcny.org and just put podcast in the search bar. At the Animal Medical Center, we keep families together by providing the absolute best care for the family's beloved pets. I thought I'd take a few moments today to share some interesting tidbits about the Animal Medical Center. The AMC has more specialties under one roof than any other veterinary hospital. And here's an overview in alphabetical order. Get prepared for ologies, anesthesia and pain management, avian or bird practice, cardiology, dentistry, dermatology, diagnostic imaging and radiology, emergency and critical care, internal medicine, interventional radiology and endoscopy, neurology, oncology, ophthalmology, pathology. That was four ologies in a row. Primary care, radiation oncology, rehabilitative and sports medicine, reptiles and amphibian practice, maybe that should have been under A, surgery and surgical oncology. That is a lot. And that means that we can take the absolute best care of your pet and what your pet needs, we're able to provide. The Animal Medical Center has a clinical staff of more than 300 people, including 122 veterinarians who manage 55,000 patient visits every year. AMC is the largest postgraduate veterinary teaching institution in the world with one of the most sought after internship and residency programs for newly minted veterinarians, many of whom go into specialty practice. And it's just about internship and residency application season as well. So if if one of you out there is listening and wants to be an intern or resident at AMC, be sure to watch the internship and residency website for our advertisements for our positions for next year. The Animal Medical Center's emergency and critical care service is the busiest in the region and sees around 17,000 different patients annually. And that is a third of all of AMC's patient visits. Last year, that means in 2020, the Animal Medical Center donated $4.8 million in veterinary care through its charity programs, which include 12 charitable funds specifically to help pets in need. 
A complete listing of our 12 charity funds can be found on our website by putting community funds in the search bar. And remember, our website is www.amcny.org. If you have a question about your pet's health, then call our toll-free number and leave a message. And I'll answer your questions about pets on next month's show. To call Ask the Vet, dial 866-993-8267 and leave a message. If you don't have a pencil right now to write down that number, I'll give it again later on. It's time for the Internet's most talked about animal. This month, there were a lot of great trending animal stories, but this one is by far and away the best and even better because it happened right here on Long Island. And I believe that our guest today is actually from Long Island. Two months ago, Barney, a 1,500 pound bull escaped on the eve of his slaughter and has been on the lamb, and that's L-A-M, not L-A-M-B, ever since. Until just recently, Barney was finally recaptured, and he went back to the very same farm from where he escaped. The runaway bull eluded numerous attempts to be caught by expert animal rescue workers and law enforcement agents. In fact, the local police used helicopters and drones and installed digital road signs to warn drivers about Barney the bull because running your car into a 1,500-pound bull crossing the road is going to be a real problem. Not even the scent of a female cow in heat named Norma Jean could interest him. Barney made his way through Long Island's wooded areas and suburbs and was tracked by his trail of poop and markings on the various branches and foliage that he passed. And according to the Suffolk County ASPCA, it was hunting season and they were concerned that Barney could be mistaken for a deer and be shot. The fact that Barney was free to cross any road he wanted to was also a concern because of a road fatality incident. Mike Stura, the owner of Skylands Animal Sanctuary and Rescue, stepped in to help and actually corralled Barney on the farm where he escaped but took two months to hunt down this bull. You wouldn't think it'd be that hard to find a 1,500-pound animal. Happily, Barney was moved to the Skylands Animal Sanctuary in New Jersey. This is a 232-acre farm in Wantage, New Jersey, and he's going to live out the rest of his days with other lucky rescued animals. Want to see more about the saga of Barney the Runaway Bull? Just Google Barney the Runaway Bull for some more information and some amazing photos of this escape story. October uh, is the month which every year we celebrate National Veterinary Technician Week. It's usually the third week of the month. And this year, National Veterinary Technician Week will run October 17 to 23. So today I have an extra special guest, um, not only a guest, but a new colleague here at the Animal Medical Center, Jacqueline Mavros. She is the newly appointed very first chief veterinary technician that we've ever had at the Animal Medical Center. 
So as the chief veterinary technician, Ms. Mavros is responsible for the management of AMC's veterinary technician workforce, which includes nurse managers, licensed veterinary technicians, veterinary technician specialists, veterinary assistants, and clinical educators. In addition to all that, she has oversight for related patient care services. She's a member of the AMC's senior management team and joins AMC's chief medical officer, Dr. Catherine Cuisenberry, who's been a guest on this show in the past, and chief clinical officer, Dr. Chad West, in the Office of Medical Affairs. Ms. Mavros has extensive experience as a licensed veterinary technician and manager at Long Island Veterinary Specialists and also North Shore Animal League of America, which is also on Long Island. Uh, Jackie, I'm so glad that you can join me today on Ask the Vet. I'm so happy to be here. It's an, truly an honor. Well, thanks so much. So, you know, the obvious first question, which everyone is wanting to know, is how did you get interested in veterinary medicine? So it definitely started when I was a very young child. Um, I had a lot of pets growing up. I had hamsters. I had fish, um, the occasional guinea pig and rat. And finally, um, I managed to wear down my mom and she allowed me to get a dog. Um, it was probably the best day of my life going to the shelter, picking out my very first dog. And as a young eight-year-old girl, I picked out the largest pit bull that they had. Um, and she was my best friend and I loved her. And taking her to the vet and, you know, doing her vaccines and things like that and her annual health stuff, it really sort of opened me up to veterinary medicine. Um, and I think that's when I really decided that that's what I wanted to be a part of. And so if you got the, the pit bull when you were eight, then how long did that pit bull stay with your family? We had her for 12 years. Okay, so so were you a technician then or, or in tech school by the time she was a tw 12 years later? Because you would have been around no. 20. Yeah, so I actually, um, I would just finish my undergrad and was going into tech school um, when unfortunately she did pass away. But I did have her for my early college career all through high school. Um, she was definitely my, my best friend. She slept in my bed with me, you know, from day one. And yeah, she really made me truly love animals and, and want this to be my career. And now what animals do you have? Oh boy. <laughs> um, I actually have two dogs right now. Um, I have a boxer who is very similarly colored actually to my first dog that I had as a child, the same brown and white colors. Um, and I also have a golden eagle. Now, are most veterinarians or veterinary technicians, the animals tend to find them. And it's not like you go out to find that animal that you want. So for our listeners, we're on Zoom and I can see Jackie smiling. And so I can't wait to hear this story. Um, yeah, so both of them sort of found me. Um, my first dog, my boxer, she, I was working on Long Island in a practice and she came across the desk in an advertisement from the local shelter. And I called them and I said, Hey, you know, I'm really interested in this puppy that you have. And they told me, Oh no, she's been adopted. You know, she's already spoken for, uh, two days later, I was actually out to lunch with my mom and I got a call 
And they said, hey, you know, these people decided they don't want her. You know, if you want to come and pick her up, you need to be at our shelter by 7 a.m. the next morning. Um, and then, you know, you can decide. So I got up super early the next morning. I drove about an hour to the shelter and they brought out this skinny, very sad looking little boxer puppy. She was about eight, six to eight months old when I got her and she was very thin, malnourished, and I, I couldn't say no. So I took her home and I still have her to this day. So she will be actually 12 at the end of October. And did you get her plumped up? Oh, yes. <laughs> she is a very big couch potato now. She will never know malnourishment ever again. <laughs> and what about the golden retriever? Where's that one from? So he's a golden doodle that, um, you know, unfortunately, my boxer did get um, a poor diagnosis about a year ago. And I was very concerned about her health. And part of that concern was, you know, I, I always have to have a dog. I cannot have a dog. And I was thinking about, you know, maybe doing a puppy. It was COVID. We were spending more time at home. Um, and sort of through a friend of a friend, um, you know, someone reached out and said, you know, they had this puppy. It was a breeder, um, you know, had a puppy that she had given to a family. And unfortunately, due to some, you know, circumstances, they weren't able to keep that puppy. And they were looking for a good home for this dog. And I talked to my husband, who is wonderful. And he said, okay, fine. And we drove uh, a couple of states away and we picked up this little guy because he, again, was sort of, didn't have a place to go. And, um, and now he is a year and a half and he is a very large, very hairy love bug. And, and he's, you know, the best six hour road trip I'm taking. So. Oh, what a good story. What a good story. So I, I think that people will be interested to hear what, what you did before you got to AMC, because it, listeners out there, Jackie's only been here, what, six weeks? Um, about, yeah, about that. Yeah, so, so she has a very short time so far at AMC. We're hoping it'll be really long, but she has a lot of experience before getting here. So talk about that a little bit. Um, so I started out uh, working at North Shore Animal League in shelter medicine, and it also was a non-for-profit. So we really did get to sort of see the value in working for a non-for-profit while I was there. And um, that's where I got my start in leadership. Um, after being there for, um, I believe it was two years, I applied to be uh, the surgery manager and I managed their very high volume surgery department where we would spay and neuter, you know, hundreds of animals a week, um, you know, to help decrease the pet population. And I had some really great, amazing mentors there. Um, I worked with amazing veterinarians and, you know, that's where I really sort of learn that I like to sort of be a leader. I like to do the mentoring. I like to do the teaching. Um, and that's kind of what got me started in management in veterinary hospitals. Um, after that, um, I did work in general practice for a little while, um, which was also a very different experience than shelter medicine, but a great experience. Um, I really got to see firsthand uh, the client and the patient or the, the, the pet parent and the pet sort of bond and how really meaningful that bond is and how, you know, 
people really um, care for their pets and how it really is part of the family as opposed to being in shelter medicine where it was sort of a different, um, a different aspect of that. Um, after general practice, I did start working at Long Island Veterinary Specialist, which is another specialty practice. So similar to AMC, they have board certified veterinarians. Uh, we have surgery, dentistry, things like that. Um, and while I was there, I was, I was also a supervisor and I worked in management and I really got to, um, you know, work with patient care, work with other technicians, work with some really amazing doctors. Um, and I think that's where I felt most at home was working in specialty medicine because it's, you know, top of the line care for every pet. Um, and, you know, really caring individuals that really, you know, loved medicine and loved caring for pets. And, and it was, it was a really great experience for me. So since this is Vet Tech Month, um, mm -hmm. I think that you sure, well, Vet Tech Week is this month, I guess is more correct way to say it. Um, talk a little bit for people out there about what a Vet Tech does. Well, maybe first talk a little bit about the different names for vet techs and then talk to people about what they do because a lot of people don't understand what a vet tech is. Yeah, so veterinary technicians are, we're very similar to human nurses where we provide nursing care to, um, to animals. We're actually trained in all species um, and then we can provide nursing care. We are anesthesiologists for our patients. We monitor their anesthesia. We can assist in surgical procedures. Um, we also do a lot of outreach. We speak to clients. We you know, talk to them about their pet's health. Um, we also, um, you know, we are your ICU nurses. We are your emergency nurses. We can triage um, cases that are coming into us. And, you know, in New York state, we're called licensed veterinary technicians. Um, some other states have different names. Uh, some of them are called CVTs or certified veterinary technicians. And there are RVTs, which is a registered veterinary technician. But despite what those letters are, we actually all pass the same national board exam. So we're all taking the same test across the country and go through the same standards for school um, and the same standards for clinical rotations and everything. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that's really confusing to people is all these different names. And then in some states, you don't need a license to to do your job. Um, and so um, that's confusing, too, because New York, you have to have you have to be licensed in order to do the kinds of things that veterinary technicians do. And the, the people without a license are the veterinary assistants, the, the person who's helping hold uh, or moving animals from here to there in the hospital. Um, so uh, the veterinary technicians in New York State have to have a license just like I do. Uh, and all the veterinarians at the Animal Medical Center have licenses just like all the techs do. Um, so since you've only been here a few weeks, talk about what your goals are um, as AMC's first chief veterinary technician. So that's a big question. 
Um, short term, I think right now, um, as some people know, as some people don't know, the veterinary community, um, we're very stressed right now. We have a lot of, um, a lot of people went out and got pets during the pandemic. So our patient load has actually increased while our staffing has not necessarily increased and in some circumstances decreased due to the pandemic, um, due to people, you know, moving out of the city, moving, you know, to more rural areas. So my first and foremost goal is, is really recruitment um, and really reaching out and trying to you know, find like-minded people to come and work at the AMC with us where they have the same goals in mind, um, you know, the same love for animals and also the same love for teaching and learning. Because we are you know, a very big teaching hospital and we're all about learning and advancement. Um, you know, one of the other things that I'm hoping to get out of this position is also, you know, the AMC is a very, it's a very big name and a lot of other hospitals do look up to the AMC. They look up to our patient care, our teaching habits. And I think by AMC being one of the first animal hospitals to create this position where they're giving technicians a voice, we're part of senior management, we're part of decisions that are made, we're part of the healthcare team. I'm hoping that by AMC doing this, other practices, other corporations will see the value in technicians and they will hopefully follow suit. Wow, that's a, that's a very important point, I think. Um, that Do you know any other big organizations that have a chief veterinary technician? There is another one, um, Veterinary Emergency Group. Uh, they do also have a chief veterinary technician. Yeah, but think of, you know, for, for our listeners, there are a lot of corporate veterinary practices out there that own multiple locations, multiple hospitals, and they probably employ a lot of technicians as well without someone um, acting as their voice like Jackie does. So uh, that's, I think, a really important thing. And if there's any technicians out there listening, uh, looking for a job, uh, reach out to Jackie. Last name, Mavros, M-A-V-R-O-S. Um, all right, so I know you're here only a short while, but do you have an average day yet? Um, right now, um, you know, as you know, but our listeners may not know, AMC is undergoing a very big renovation. And um, there's a lot of changes that are happening day to day in the hospital. So I'm very involved in helping team members sort of cope with those renovations um, and making sure that our patient care, our workflow, our nursing staff, you know, we're not being disturbed by the renovations. We're sort of working with it. Um, you know, we're very happy to have the renovations, but we also still need to function as a hospital. So I do a lot of that. Um, and right now, one of the biggest things that we're doing is we're planning National Vet Tech Week. So we're planning a big celebration for our technicians for the week. We have uh, fun events coming up. We have food, we have snacks, we've got raffles. Um, we're sort of doing a little bit of a spirit week. Um, people can, you know, wear crazy socks and things like that. So we're really in the midst of planning that and putting on a really good celebration to sort of thank our nursing staff or our technician staff for all the hard work that they've been doing the last year. And, and we're looking forward to that week um, as well, because it sounds like it'll be a great time. Um, if there's 
anybody out there listening that Jackie has inspired to become a veterinary technician, what, how does somebody find out about where they can get trained to be a veterinary technician? Where, where do you start? How do you do it? So for me, you know, I started just going to the animal hospital with my own dog. And then I said, you know, I want to work here. I want to volunteer. And I ended up, you know, working in a boarding facility while I was in high school. And it got me all of my animal handling experience and really got me interested in the field. So for someone, you know, I would say, go to your local clinic and say, you know, I'm interested you know, I want to see what veterinary medicine is about. You can apply for assistant positions. You can volunteer at rescues, at shelters. There's always looking for people to help out. Um, there's also a couple of good resources. Uh, the AVMA website, which is the American Veterinary Medical Association, avma.org. They have great resources for people that are looking to get into the field. Um, there are schools and it'll list the different schools in the area, different programs that you can apply to. So as a vet tech, you have the option of doing a two-year program where there's a four-year bachelor program where you can be a veterinary technologist. Um, so there's a lot of different programs that you can look into um, after high school. So what's the difference between the two and four-year course? The four-year course um, has a little bit more classroom knowledge and also a little bit more extensive clinical knowledge. So you, um, you know, one of the programs here that, you know, that I've worked with and that we work with here at the Animal Medical Center at Mercy College, um, their, their last year of school is a very intense clinical rotation where they spend almost every day, you know, working in a hospital, working alongside and learning, almost like nursing school where you do a clinical year. Um, and then when you graduate, you get your bachelor's and you have your sort of um, designated a veterinary technologist. In the field, um, there's not much of a difference between a technician and a technologist um, in the sense of, you know, working in your day to day. But with your bachelor's, you could always go on, you know, for management or you can sort of it opens up some more doorways for you. What about being a veterinary technician specialist? We have a few here at AMC. Uh, can you talk about those special folks? Yes. So as you talked about, you know, the different specialties we have for veterinarians, we have the same thing for technicians. So technicians can basically, um, they can train, I believe it's 12 different specialties. And what a veterinary technician specialist is, is they spend, you know, um, I think it's two to three years working and training in that specialty. And then they have to go undergo a very rigorous um, sort of testing and application phase where you have to present case studies. Um, and at the end, you also have to take a very difficult test. So at AMC, we have a couple of technicians that are board certified in different specialties. And we also have um, some technicians that are boarded in more than one specialty, which is a very difficult thing to do and very impressive. Um, and, and those people are like the super techs, uh, you know, they, and, and really valuable to the, the doctors who are lucky enough to work with someone like that. Um, so what, is the best part so far of, of joining the Animal Medical Center team? 
I think, I mean, first of all, everyone has been wonderfully welcoming and so friendly. And, um, you know, I was nervous at first to come into such a large organization and everyone has made me feel at home. So for me, that was a great part. Um, but two things I really, um, one thing I really didn't know about before I had started or before I started the interview process was our education program that we have here. So I know that there's an education program for doctors and residents, um, but we also have an education program for veterinary technicians, which I think is, um, is really great. It's not a lot of hospitals that do this. So we have two sort of tracks. We have our own veterinary technician internship program that is actually run by our education team, which is a group of veterinary technician specialists that solely focus on training and working with students and interns, um, you know, and teaching them all the various specialties that we have and giving them an extra bit of knowledge. Um, the other part of AMC is sort of going back to my nonprofit roots, where here at AMC, you know, we're providing phenomenal veterinary care, amazing medicine, and we're allowed to provide that and we're able to provide that to people and services and groups that, you know, may not necessarily, you know, have the funding. So we work with rescue groups, the Guide Dog Foundation, we treat all guide dogs for free, police dogs, um, you know, and, and genuinely anyone that comes in with their pet, um, you know, that needs financial assistance, we do, you know, have ways to help them, which I think is amazing, not something that every hospital can do. I think it, it, to go back to the education program, so the veterinary technician interns rotate throughout the hospital and they spend a little time in surgery, a little time in medicine, a little time in ER, they're all over. And so they become this broad specialist, which I think is a dumb, a dumb way to say it because broad and specialist are opposites. Um, but but they they get this intensive education across the whole hospital, which is different than the veterinary um, specialists, uh, tech, veterinary technician specialists who focus on one particular area. And so th that's depending on what technicians might be interested in doing, they can either be a, a very broadly trained person through the technician internship, or they can specialize by working with a specialist veterinarian and, and following that specialization pathway. So technicians have a huge number of options in the profession here um, and, and other places too, but, but we have a lot of great stuff to offer technicians. So I'm getting a, no, a, a notice from the producer that it's time for us to wrap this up. And so I just want to take this last minute to thank Jackie Mavra so much for joining us today on Ask the Vet. And anyone wanting more information about being a veterinary technician, certainly check AMC's website. We'd love to have you join our team. And thanks and welcome to you, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. And I'm so happy to be with AMC. We're happy to have you too. And when we come back, uh, it'll be time for the animal news. We're back with Dr. Anne Hohenhaus on Ask the Vet. Call now with your pet questions on Sirius XM Stars. 
Welcome back to Ask the Vet and our animal news headlines. But first, if you have a question that you want answered on next month's show, please call our toll-free voicemail number and leave a message so I can answer your questions on Ask the Vet. The phone number is 866-993-8267. Again, 866-993-8267. It's time for Animal Headlines, the biggest animal news from across the world. And our first headline happens in Louisiana. And it is a miracle. Weeks following the wrath of Hurricane Ida's, Bubbles, a sweet pity mix, was fighting for his life when he was spotted by a kind stranger. Bubbles was changed to a collapsed shed surrounded by metal and debris brought on by Hurricane Ida. Thanks to the efforts of Humane Rescue Alliance officers working with the Louisiana SPCA, Bubbles was rescued and freed from his chain. Immediately, Bubbles' personality changed. He was friendly and affectionate with kisses for everyone to thank them for saving his life. His rescuers could not believe how Bubbles survived the storm with winds of over 130 miles an hour and also survived being chained with no food or water in the sweltering heat for a couple of weeks. Bubbles is slowly but surely recovering at a local Louisiana shelter, getting the care he deserves, food, water, and air conditioning, and a safe place to sleep. If you're interested in more about Bubbles the Pity Mix, just Google Bubbles and Hurricane Ida. Now, this is my personal favorite story. Even though the Yankees and the Mets, our local teams, are no longer in the playoffs. Cats and baseball. What? They, how can they possibly go together? But there's a link. Even beyond the World Series, which will be underway later this month, Back in the 1820s, the game that would eventually evolve into baseball was originally called Three Old Cat. At least that is according to Baseball in the Garden of Eden. And cats are still part of baseball, sort of. This year, two Major League Baseball teams' games were disrupted when feral cats decided to run onto the field. At Coors Field in Denver, one bold black cat dashed across the, the baseball field during the eighth inning of the Rockies versus the Dodgers. And the video of the feline flashing through the outfield went viral. Turns out there's a whole cadre of feral felines living around Coors Field, but that's a whole different story. If you're interested in that one, just uh, get onto Twitter and look at the Coors Field cat because he tweets frequently. And in New York City, a cat ran onto the Yankee Stadium field during a Yankees-Orioles game, drawing MVP chants from the crowd as the grounds crew tried to chase down the fast-footed feline. Quoting a New York Times writer, Carino Chicano, the thing about the cat, it's so fast, so determined, so tenacious and tactical. It keeps trying different things in order to get what it wants out of the baseball field. The cat is an incredible athlete. Watching the cat is like watching an Olympic event. The cat's a sprinter, a gravity-defined gymnast under stress. Want to see the Yankee cat 
Just Google Pats running on Major League Baseball field for some incredible videos. And now good news for this year, the Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards are back. 23 stunning photos have made the cut for 2021. And this competition spotlights the funniest and cutest snapshots of animals doing the wildest things. The real mission of this progress is to talk about the importance of protecting wildlife. More than 7,000 photos were submitted. And if you want to look at these fabulous photographs, just Google the Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards and don't forget to cast your vote for your favorite photo. Just a reminder, if you have a pet health question, call and leave a message on Ask the Vet's toll-free number, which is 866-993-8267, and I'll answer your questions on next month's Ask the Vet show. And now we're going to take some questions from our listeners. The first question today comes from Amy. Hi, my name is Amy. Um, my dog just passed away last night, um, and it was onset of um, AIHA, um, where the red blood cells were, um, the, her body was attacking the red blood cells. It was pretty quick onset. It started at the beginning of the week, and I just wanted to ask the doctors, um, you know, just is that something that just comes out of nowhere, like it did in ca in the case of my dog? Um, and you know, how successful was the treatment usually? Because she got a blood transfusion. She's an older dog, about 12 years old. So I'd love to hear what they have to say about that. Uh, thank you. Oh, Amy, we're so sorry about your dog. Um, AIHA, which is an acronym for autoimmune hemolytic anemia also sometimes called IMHA, which is immune-mediated hemolytic anemia. And you're correct. The body attacks the dog's own red blood cells and makes them very anemic. This is a really, really difficult disease, and it does just come on from nowhere. And if you look at the statistics, about half the dogs diagnosed with this disease die within the first two weeks of the diagnosis. So the unfortunate scenario that Amy experienced with her dog is not at all unusual in that this dog, is, this disease is can be rapidly fatal in dogs. And the dogs keep destroying their red blood cells, which Amy's doctors Amy's dog's doctors tried to fix that by giving a blood transfusion. But these dogs also suffer from uh, blood clots that are a real problem um, and make the dogs much sicker than just the anemia alone. So again, our condolences to you, Amy, um, but this is a terrible disease that none of us like to manage uh, at all because the outcome can be very sad. Our next question comes from Beth in Illinois. Hi, this is Beth Sue, Illinois. I have a behavioral question. Um, I rescued a three-year-old uh, puppy um, poodle mix. My question is, she is absolutely wonderful. The only issue I have when I walk her, she's going after those squirrels and pulling. I've tried different things and it's, that part is really hard for me. Uh, so I would like some helpful hints. Thank you. 
So Beth, I think I have a couple of ideas what you could do with your little poodle mix who is after the squirrels. First, just general obedience training is really helpful because once a dog knows things like sit and stay, when you start to approach the squirrel area, you can have the dog sit and stay and reward her for that behavior. Because when squirrels are around, you want her not to be chasing after the squirrels, but to follow your directions. So teaching her to sit and stay and then using that training when squirrels are around is a way to reinforce that type of behavior that you want, which is good behavior rather than chasing behavior. The second thing is you might want to consider um, a leash and harness combination that one brand, it's not the only brand, it's called a Halti, H-A-L-T-I. And the Halti has not only a collar, but also um, a part of the collar contraption that goes around the dog's muzzle. It, it doesn't keep the dog from opening its mouth. It just helps you to control the dog's head and keep the dog moving in the direction that you want it to by controlling the head. Because if you've got the head moving straight forward, the dog can't veer off to the right and chase the squirrels. So some sort of um, collar, leash, and harness that has a head um, a head part to it will be a really uh, good addition to your walks and help you to control her uh, from chasing the squirrels. Hope you find that helpful and good luck with your new rescue. And finally, we have a question from Donna in Florida. Hi, I am Donna from St. Augustine, Florida. I had a yellow lab that had his rabies shot and within weeks was drooling and just almost incoherent at times. And then he started losing muscle mass and his body, his head, everything just looked like he lost all of his muscle mass. And this went on for months. Have you ever seen anything like it? The vet said she thought he had been exposed to something, perhaps a chemical on the lawn. There's more to it than that, but it was just an awful experience, and I lost them. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye. My goodness, we, we just have such tragic stories today, and our sympathies go out to Donna about her yellow lab as well. So first, I would say that I agree with your veterinarian that the rabies vaccine is probably not the cause of this dog's medical issue. If a dog is having a problem with a rabies vaccine, it usually occurs very quickly and the dog's face swells up and they get itchy and they might throw up or have diarrhea. And then it's over because it's an allergic reaction. But vaccines in general don't cause a prolonged illness. So I think it's not the rabies vaccine. There is a disorder in dogs called um, masticatory myositis, which is inflammation of the muscles of the head. And that inflammation causes the muscles of the head to waste away. And you can see these divots in the top of the dog's head where the muscles go away and a kind of a bony prominence on top, which is part of the skull that's normally hidden by the muscles of the head. And those dogs have a hard time eating and drinking because they can't open their mouth. So the drooling maybe is a clue to that 
might be what's going on. Another thing that came to mind with this uh, yellow lab is that dogs that drool uh, sometimes have an esophageal disorder and they're unable to swallow their saliva, so they just drool. Um, and they don't swallow well, so they have a hard time eating, and then they tend to lose weight. And it sounds like Donna's dog got really skinny. So I think not the rabies vaccine, but I suspect that the yellow lab had some very serious systemic illness um, and it, that it was probably um, a very difficult situation, not only for, for Donna, but for the veterinarian who sounds like... Um, tried really hard to save the yellow lab. So again, Donna, our condolences, and I hope that this gives you a bit of closure at the loss of your dog. And when we come back, it'll be time for news from the Animal Medical Center. You ain't nothing but a hound dog, with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus on Ask the Vet. Call now with your pet questions on Sirius XM Stars. Hi, we're back here on Ask the Vet, which is on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. We're here every month answering your pet health questions. So you can call our toll-free number and leave us a message and I'll answer your questions on next month's show. The number to leave your questions is 866-993-8267. So the Animal Medical Center was founded in 1910 as a temporary clinic providing veterinary care to animals whose pets could, whose owners could not afford veterinary care. And although back in 1910, we actually took care of a lot of horses, we don't do so many horses these days. And we mostly focus on dogs, cats, and other small companion animals. To provide this service, the Animal Medical Center has over 120 veterinarians working together. And we take care of pets in 20 specialties and different services to manage 55,000 patient visits a year. That translates to 160 pets per day who come through the Animal Medical Center's doors. I'm proud to tell you that AMC's USDAN Institute is the leading online provider of trusted, timely, and relevant pet health information. And you can go to our website and find things like our pet health library and helpful tips and sign up to get our pet health newsletter every week. The AMC's USDAN Institute also offers monthly virtual pet health events, and you can sign up for those events, which are on Zoom and are free to anyone who wants to attend. All you need to do is go to amcny.org and put in events in the search bar, and it will take you to the sign-up page for our USDAN events. Any events that have happened in the past are available for you to stream right from our website. For example, if you're heading back to the workplace soon, there's dogs and separation anxiety. If you just want a fun uh, toured through myths about dogs, then you can watch Canine Medical Mythbusters. 
There's also a presentation on arthritis in pets. And my favorite, which was a conversation with CBS News correspondent Martha Teichner, who has authored a New York Times bestseller about her dogs, When Harry Met Minnie, The True Story of Love and Friendship. And that event launched AMC's new Animal Book Lovers Club. The upcoming events include Red Eye in Dogs and Cats, What Does It Mean? And that will be AMC's Dr. Sandra Vanderwart, our beloved ophthalmologist, talking about eye diseases on October 14th. And then in November, on November 10th, Dr. Chick Weiss will talk about bladder and prostate cancer in pets. Registration is required, but is free. And so you can learn about these and other free online events by going to www.amcny.org backslash events. My thanks to today's guest, Jacqueline Mavros, who is AMC's inaugural uh, chief veterinary officer. I want to thank my callers for calling in with great questions and to the listeners for tuning in. A special thanks to everyone who's downloaded the Ask the Vet podcast. If you're interested in downloading the podcast, you can download Ask the Vet from any podcast platform, or you can go to AMC's website, amcny.org, and put podcast in the search bar. If you've got questions about pet health for next month's show, don't forget to call and leave us a message at 866-993-8267. Check us out on social media. Facebook is The Animal Medical Center, and Twitter and Instagram is AMCNY. And I'll be back next month for a new episode of Ask the Vet here on Sirius Stars Channel 109. Thank you, everybody, and have a great week. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. Pussycat, Pussycat, I. You love your pets and will do anything for them. So that's why Sirius XM Stars is hooking you up with a top veterinarian on our show. Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. Dr. Hohenhaus will answer all of your pet questions, chat with other animal experts, and talk about the most concerning issues for our furry friends. We'll talk dogs and cats and guinea pigs and more. Ask the Vet with Dr. Ann Hohenhaus. Weekends on Sirius XM Stars.